0: There were palm trees on I wish there were palm trees. So here we are, Michelle Rizzo-Berg Hi
1: wish uh, there
0: Of the uh, YMCA Bolton Center for Performing Arts is our uh, guest today I'm Mike White from uh, Island.com. With what me as always up? is Tom Wonk What up, what up? From the, from the float place <laughs> How are ya? <you? laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so Michelle, thanks so much for, for spending your uh,
1: I'm so excited, this is my first podcast
2: Really? First yeah. podcast, right? Are you a listener? of podcasting?
1: Not really. I'm not gonna lie. No. <laughs> no. It's funny, but the job that I do, I think when I'm not working, I just want silence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, lately, I don't listen to much.
2: That's great. But yeah. I
0: remember when I was at the, with the Daily News, I'd be on like a vacation and someone, whoever you want to like, oh, <laughs> pick up the paper, I'm like. Shh. I feel like someone should pay me to read a paper, and I know, and I'm not doing that on my vacation. <laughs> I know it's
1: weird, you know. I, I I live in a house where my husband listens to music all the time, and sometimes I just want silence. <laughs> I, just, you, I don't want to hear anything.
0: And well, now you got the pool, right? You can sit back there. Yeah, Maybe but there's hear. still always
1: mu- there's always music in my house, and and again, sometimes I just I just want silence.
0: Are you a musician yourself? No,
1: I play very poor guitar.
0: Okay. Yeah. Shitty guitar. Yeah. Not, not
1: so good at it, but you know you can get me to play some basic chords. And depending on how long I'm playing, it may sound better or worse. I'm not so sure. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> but uh, but you grew up around music, right? I did. I yeah. did.
1: Um, I didn't come from a musical family, but for some reason, when I was around ten or eleven, I just really got hit with the music bug.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for you know, I grew up in in the '80s, so for me, it was mm-hmm. hair metal and I always joke around that it's like the worst music to want to love but it was (laughs) just so there was so much of it when I was a teenager you know when I was 11 12 13 you know I saw Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet um, album and I saw the video for Living on a Prayer and that just sort of did it for me and my parents got me tickets to see Bon Jovi for my 11th birthday I think and Mm. I remember going and The lights went out, and I was with my oldest brother, who's about six years older than I am. And I turned to to him, and my whole family went. Okay. Um, My mom actually camped out with my eldest brother at a video store to get the tickets (laughs) and waited overnight. And we get these tickets, and and uh, I go, and the lights go out, and I turn to my brother, and I'm like, "I'm gonna work at a place like this one day." And they were like, "Okay, (laughs) I don't know what that means, but no problem." (laughs) And that's what kind of started it.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Where did you see him?
1: Uh, Nassau Coliseum. Okay. No, I'm sorry. That one was at the garden. Mm. I saw it at the garden. It was August of, I think, 87, 86, and wow. Kiel opened up. And that really just sort of snowballed. And then right after that, you know, it was more hair metal shows. And you know, my parents were so great. They really, you know, did so much to encourage my concert habit, I guess. You know, I guess you, your parents want to encourage going to school. Mine, mine encouraged going <laughs> to concerts. And it was fun because I had those parents that would go everywhere with me. And because. They waited on lines at these video stores with the bracelets, with Ticketmaster. We'd go to the shows, and all these teenagers would be like, "Oh my god, it's it's the people from the line!" And they would get <laughs> so excited, and they'd see my brother and my parents, and it's kind of what we did. Oh, wow, that's what, I
2: mean, that's a lost thing that like kids now are not ne- they'll never know that like, yeah. We're, yeah, like to sleep out, out like
1: out. oh my god i used to you know we i grew up in farmingville and there was a video store um and we used to call it the old wall and the new wall it was like on you know one side of farmingville the other side of farmingville yeah. or and the old wall had the video store and i remember my mom because we lived so close would take me and my girlfriends and we'd go camp out for tickets like def leopard and uh Poison. And Motley Crue and she would go home and then come back every three hours or so to make sure we were okay but you know we, we used to do that stuff <laughs> that those are things awesome. that
0: we did nice memories huh? yeah
1: yeah wow. my, my dad used to drive me and my girlfriends to these um, clubs and bars uh, like Sparks in um, Deer Park and Spit in Levittown and Industry in Island Park and I, I don't know how or why they did it but they, they would they would show up and they would talk to the bouncers and they would let us in and we would go see <laughs> all the bands and my dad would wait outside for us afterwards so yeah oh, we, they probably
0: just loved that you was passionate about yeah right?
1: I, I don't really know i don't know but they were always really encouraging about it where some parents were like we don't want you going to concerts mine were just like go i think they were a little upset when i got a license and they didn't uh, have to take me everywhere anymore uh, because they really you know my dad used to get us tickets and then Right as the show would start, he'd buy a ticket from a scalper for like ten bucks because they weren't trying to unload him at that point. So then he would go in and not tell us and he'd go in and just keep an eye on us. And I never right, knew right. that. even would always stay far away. Cool dad. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I it was great.
0: And then they um they shifted the ticket masters away from the video stores and then they were ended up at like Marshalls in the nineties. Probably
1: but you know, I honestly There were Genevieve jugs too. Yeah, I worked it's at a Genevieve places. Well it's it's you know, in the in ninety um, four. I graduated high school, and then after college in '98 was when I started working at Westbury Music Fair, and then that's kind of when I stopped buying tickets. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know going into the, those stores. I just always I worked at two venues at the time, or three actually. See, no,
0: it was two. Your first. So, your first concert. Not to cut you off, you went to a show and instead of saying I want to be on stage, or you said I want to. I wanted run to work a um, really in a place like this. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know
1: what a place like that was, but that's. For some reason, it just resonated with me, and it was the greatest feeling i had ever had.
0: Just the whole, sh- do you know what it was about the show? that? I don't you know. I just remember seeing
1: John Bon Jovi come flying up from under the stage, and there yeah. was like all this pyro, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and we had the worst tickets behind the stage, way up top, and I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. It was just, and then that, that I don't know, it just started some very strange movement for me.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. That's good stuff. I'm going to turn this AC off because yeah, I'm sure. going to get some back. It's so crazy how, I mean, tickets went from sleeping out overnight to now they don't even have paper copies. You just have them just on your phone and that's it. And yep. it's, it's wild. I got to think there's there's been a big change on the back end as far as you know how they take people in and, and keeping count and – you know, it's got to be easier in a lot of ways, but harder in some other ways.
1: Well, you know, it's it's easier because of technology, and then on the flip side, it's harder because of technology when technology breaks down and your computers don't work or your ticket printer doesn't work or the mm. website that's hosting your um, ticketing system is having problems. So there's a, you know, there's a pro and a cons to both, And, you know, for us, we... We don't utilize Ticketmaster. We have a, a company called Evation Ticks, which are great, uh, and we do the e-ticket. And a lot of our our guests, because they they're of an older generation, they come in and ask us for the actual ticket stub. So there's still that art of wanting the scrapbook. to Yeah, people want that collective little stub for some reason. Me, yeah. I, I'm I'm all about the change. I, I don't like things around. So I'm <laughs> I don't you know I I've, I've, I have tons of ticket stubs. I don't do anything with them. I should, but. You know, some people love it. Some people, yeah. I'm not a collector,
0: right. which is
1: another really weird thing about me because I have a job where I can collect so many great things. I don't collect things.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, that may be why you know because
2: it's at your fingertips. So. Yeah, it'd probably be hard to start now because you'd be like, oh man, I should have had this yeah, and this and would, this by now, and I did If you want. yeah. You know, to. Yeah, you you have know have when I worked
1: <laughs> at uh, Westbury Music Fair and I worked at the amphitheater at Jones Beach, I, I collected a bunch of fun stuff. Like actually, on my refrigerator, I have a uh, Poison dressing room sign. That was sort of like a laminate sign that was etched. And I'm not really sure how I acquired it. And I'm pretty sure they were probably looking for it after their show there, but I have it and it's on my fridge. So um, if Brett Michaels needs it back, by all means. But so there's some fun things that I did collect over the years. I, uh, I did a show, we did a show at InSync at Jones Beach. They did four nights. And on their rider, they wanted a PlayStation. And afterwards, nobody had anything to do with the PlayStation, so they gave it to me. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I don't have it anymore, but that was, that was fun.
0: Brett <laughs> Michaels was just at Jones Beach like two weeks ago. Yeah. You could have returned it. Here I could have. Here, Here's
1: your dressing room sign that I've had for 12 years.
0: And, uh, and you saw Motley Crue?
1: I've seen Motley Crue plenty uh, of times. Yeah, that, yeah.
0: that was actually the first album. The first tape I've ever bought was Motley Crue. first tape I ever owned was Twisted Sisters, Stay Hungry, because my cousin haven't had two. And so he gave me one. I always remember your first tape or your CD that you buy. Yeah. And then Motley Crue Girls, Girls, Girls was the first tape I ever bought. Was bought it a th- cassette tape? It was or a was cassette it... tape, yeah. yeah. And they bought a big patch for my jean jacket. And I this noticed when I got home that, that all the band members <laughs> were giving the finger. And I'm like, what do I do with this? So I just like, I hid it for my mom somewhere. I was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> it cost
2: think, seven bucks. It was I think Shopping my first Village. tape was uh, C&C Music Factor. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah like great. it coincided I their release too, like too. perfectly when I got my my first like cassette player, like CD thing, you know.
1: The eighties were weird because, I, as much as I, you know, I grew up loving hair metal, but then on the other hand, you know, you have girlfriends and your friends, and you know, so I was like a closet Whitney Houston fan, and you know, I'd seen New Kids on the Block, and yeah,
0: you, you know, that. you
1: don't you don't sort of like tell people that because I was like, you know, I'm like the rock chick, you know, yeah. but I, I I just I loved all of it, but but hair metal was that thing, and then. When I got to college, a lot of that changed, and then it became more of the '90s Look. acoustic rock. So it became things like Edwin McCain and Vertical Horizon and Tonic and all that stuff. And that um, was a lot of what I got into in college. And then there was like the whole power pop era that I got into, where there were bands like Jellyfish and and Oasis and all that kind of stuff. So I just sort of went all over the place. It's a good but time for. for a but ride. I always. Stay true to the hair metal roots, <laughs> as embarrassing as it may be, but I, I wear it proudly. So.
0: Yeah, I was into it big time. Um, <laughs> and then Guns N' Roses came along and sort of elevated hair metal, and then Nirvana came along and sort of killed it.
1: That was <laughs> that was sort of the genre that I never got into fully. I mean, I was a huge Grunge, Stone Temple like, Pilot, but I was a huge Stone Temple Pilots fan,
0: yeah.
1: and um, that was really it. you know I didn't I, you know you I was so that hard to admit this, but like I didn't love Soundgarden, and I wasn't in love with Pearl Jam. You know, I. I understood and I and I listened, but it wasn't something that I would go to put on. Other than Stone Temple Pilots, it, it just wasn't was, a genre that resonated yeah. with me. Was it somewhere. because
0: she was just such a metal?
1: No, no, I wasn't one of those people that thought because you know, know the do people run. hate
0: the Beatles because no. they killed do up.
1: No, I think it was just at that time for some reason I got more involved in that acoustic rock thing, gotcha. and you know, again. I liked Stone Temple Pilots and I you know, plush was actually one of the first songs I learned to play on the guitar, you know, everybody I think learns to I'm play sure that. STP <laughs> <laughs> was
2: incredible. I mean you know, it, so, they really were.
1: So that was that was it in regard to that genre. But I, I, you know, I didn't I didn't hate it. It was just not something I really I put on or I leave on if it's on right, the radio.
0: Right. What about local bands when you were like in high school? Were there any local bands that are maybe still around today that you know some of the guys or girls? Um,
1: well, you know, when I was in high school I I went to Sachem, I was a Sachem graduate, and I graduated in 94, so at the time, when I was in Sachem South, which was the ninth and 10th grade school, they had a club called Rock Band Club, and when I was a kid, Rock Band Club was, you went and you set up four bands after school, and bands that had members that went to Sachem could play after school in the band room, uh, where you usually had orchestra or band, and... They had like a little, I think it was an eight-track recording studio, and some of the the bands would go there and record. And I signed up for rock band club, and I would set up for these bands. And then at the end of the year, they would have rock fest. And at the time when I was there, was in ninth grade, and I think the eleventh or twelfth graders were there was a band called um, Haven for Hazel, which became nineties. Mm. So I wow, met those amazing, guys man. when I was young. I, very I just young. met his
0: father, the lead singer's father, the other day. He was in. At yeah, so, nice but place. you know,
1: no, I mean, I, over the years, just from knowing people and knowing bands, of course, you know, you have friend. I have friends that are in touring bands and bands that have fan bases that aren't localized. And it's very strange to me because you think, oh, that's my friend, you know, and right, you yeah. hear it, you hear them on Octane or you hear them on, you mm-hmm. know, like Coffee House and <laughs> yeah, you're like, it's cool. really strange, now, you know, like I know those people.
0: <laughs> if I could backtrack, Nine Days, a lead singer, what's his name? John. John. So I believe I met John's dad at Arts Ontario Festival in Patchogue, and he had told me an interesting bit of Long Island music trivia. He said Nine Days is the only rock band from Long Island since Blue Oyster Cult, rock band. Now, there's plenty of R&B, hip-hop, to have a top ten billboard single in the U.S.
1: Yeah, see, I don't know stats like that, so I would not know. But isn't but that I cool? I can always Let's just believe John it right now and ask them. <laughs> it's possible.
0: <laughs> I would like to sit with him for a little Q&A for a great Apache. I be will fun. make sure to get you in touch I didn't him. realize how local he was. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah, he's local. He still lives on Long Island, as actually the whole band does, except for Brian, who's in Tennessee.
0: I saw him at 89 North. They put on a great show. Yep, they do. Um, and that's,
1: you know, to, to grow up and, again, love music, and they were a band that, again you know i saw sort of through transition i was a little too young when they used to play at, at um the village pub in port jeff and i used to always try to get in i was like 17 18 and john would try to sneak me in and they would never let me in mm. ever for some strange reason and dead. then one day i just remember i was sitting home and watching vh1 and i see a video for story of a girl and i'm like is that, is that somebody i know <laughs> it was really weird so That's but wild. it's but you know again it's it, that was the first time it had hit me that oh my god I know I know people who have like a famous band right and then and they were famous and right? then you know you start I started working in the business and all of a sudden you meet people on their way up um and you and now you know they're in bands and you like you're really proud of them and you're like oh my god that's my friend yeah, you know yeah. when I when I got reconnected with my husband and we started dating and he, he had on some bands and I was like oh I know them. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you know of them? I'm like, no, I know them. Like, physically <laughs> I was know like, them. Like, I'm friends with them. Like, I can just call them right him. now. Like, I know them. And oh, it's, it's awesome. that's really great. Like, I I love that feeling. I love knowing that. You know, I was watching last night. I fell asleep. Um, and that thing you do was on. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Yeah. Uh, you've never seen that I thing you do? It. Oh my god. So there's a scene in the movie where the band hears their song on the radio for the very first time, and it's set in, I guess, the 50s. And I just remembered those feelings with my friends when their songs were heard on the radio for the very first time. And it was just, it's just so cool. And it just, awesome. last night when I saw that, uh, that scene always makes me feel really good because I've experienced that with friends of mine sure. and it's its really very awesome.
0: Did you ever meet Dee Snider?
1: Believe it or not, he is one of the only musicians I have yet to really meet who lives on Long Island, oh, that's funny, yeah. who I know shops in places. Yeah, he's all And of I that. just, I for some reason never come in contact with him. never cross paths. No. Yeah, I'd love to, but I've never,
0: never. After I was talking about the nine days thing, I thought, well, certainly um, Twisted Sister had some hits, but metal was still kind of marginalized back, what was that, 86, probably when Stay Hungry came out? So even though, even though those were big hits, it were probably a little too out of the mainstream to be like a top 10, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess we're not going to take it would probably be their biggest hit. Or you're going to burn in hell. That that wasn't going to top the <laughs> charts. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I never met them met either, and they were always one of my favorite bands growing up, so one day. Maybe yeah, one day it, we'll I don't know them.
1: how somehow that's, like, a, like eluded me. It just doesn't happen, and I don't know why. Yeah. I really don't know why. I'm not so sure.
0: Are there any um, top talents around locally now that you can uh, name drop?
1: Well, I just did a show with Cassandra House, and I adore her, and I've always uh, loved Miles to Dayton, you know, they're they're so huge, you know. And I have friends that, that kick it around on the singer-songwriter circuit that do, like, a lot of cover stuff. Um, you know, my friend Sam, who's in this band Playing Dead, is really talented, and he has some, you know, great stuff. And, you know, just I I hate to say it. I have not been engrossed in the local scene as much as I used to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably not the best, you know, judge of character, you know. But I know from personally working with certain bands, like working with Quarter Horse, who were amazing you know, that's the kind of stuff, you know, I know. Uh, but I I really, I should be a little bit more. I'm embarrassed to say that I'm not as involved as I normally, as I should be or as I used to be.
0: Well, I think the names you just said are, are ones that I'm, you know, that I personally hear a lot about. It sounds yeah. like they're, uh, you know. I mean, you know, songs. there's,
1: you know, if you think about it, we just talked about musicians from Long Island who have had some sort of fame. There's so many, so many bands and so many, Artists have come out of Long Island, and we're still Mountain? creating. Yeah, I mean, I've worked. You know, I've worked with Leslie West, and mm. you know, I, I we are we are we have so much talent on this island that I really I don't even know how to see all of it. Right, know?
0: right, right. Now the Bolton Center, I, I've heard from you know theater circuits that um, uh, you know, and people that not not so much in the industry, but people that like to go out to shows. And I had mentioned when when I was starting Greater Bayshore. Uh, your name came up and said hey, you, you got to speak to Michelle over at the Bolton Center, and everyone just like she always books these these big acts, these known names. And Bolton Center, how many people does it fit? Two sixty. Two sixty. I think there's some envy. I think you 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 know, however you do it, you bring in some great great names to that relatively small venue. And a the lot elevation. of borrowing and stealing. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like a lot. No, of I
1: mean, I think you know we came around at a really. um we came around, you know, I've been there for going on, I think, my 14th year. The theater is about 15 years old. And we came around at the time where there weren't so many other rooms on Long Island. So we had a really nice opportunity to be able to um, make a place for ourselves, mm. you know. And we did not reinvent the wheel. You know, my programming was very similar to another room that was around at the time. And it just took a lot of working with each other, getting on the phone. Uh, really trying to respect one another and what we all did but it it took a long time for agents to buy into what we were and what we were doing you know we were the smallest room on Long Island I will say that my working at Westbury Music Fair for the five years that I did and the amphitheater and then I spent two years at Nassau Coliseum that I think allowed me to develop relationships with not only agents at the time but their assistants who then impart when I was like an assistant became agents. Sure. So having those relationships when we were at the start of our careers, I think allowed me to um, really get people at that theater that would not have really, you know, taken a chance. Agents wouldn't have taken a chance. Had sure. they not known who I was prior. Trust, access, yeah.
0: all that stuff. Um, now a quick, quick resume. Um, so you actually, well, you, you said you saw Bon Jovi at the garden. But anyway, it's very cool that you ended up at the Coliseum in some sort. I did. I've seen Bon Jovi
1: probably about thirty-five times. So at some point, <laughs> I've seen them at the Garden and um, and the Coliseum. <laughs> so uh and what Jones was, Beach. What was
0: your first venue position job out of at uh, a school or whenever you started uh, in the well, industry? Well,
1: when I was younger, I was a kid working just with local bands and and hanging out. But my first first job that I can say like my first job was at. Um, Westbury Music Fair. I graduated college, and about five days after I graduated college, I started working at Westbury.
0: Wow. Excellent.
1: Yes. And I was there. um, I was a receptionist. I originally went and interviewed for a marketing assistant position, and I did not have a marketing degree. I actually didn't know squat about marketing. I interned at a few record labels. Actually, at the time when I did intern, I interned at a record label called Relativity Records. And at the time, it was actually switching over from hair metal to rap. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And on their label was like um, bands like Bone Thugs and Harmony and 8 Ball and MJGA. Like, those were all, I I was assembling press kits for them. But at the time, like right before that, a few months prior, they had, um, it was hair metal and it was like Shaka Messiah and Steve Vai. And I remember the publicist gave me like all. Old stuff of all these bands that like, they were like, we don't know what to do with this. I'm like, I'll take it, <laughs> which I didn't even know what to do with. it But um, that was really my only touch with marketing. I was assembling press kits. I wasn't writing anything. Mm-hmm. And then I I was graduating college on an off season. I graduated in January, not June, when most everybody graduates, because I had started college a little bit. Um, I graduated high school six months early, and then went right to college. And then when I graduated, I graduated in the that again like off sort of season. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I was like, I need a job. I don't know what to do. And, and the woman at the career services uh, said, well, you know, why don't you send your resume to Westbury Music Fair? They're looking for a marketing person. I'm like, I don't have a marketing degree. I have an audio degree, you know, and a business degree.
0: Well, it seems most people in marketing do not have a marketing degree. <laughs> and it seems that people who do have marketing degrees are doing every, everything but marketing.
1: I mean, I had, yeah. a, I had a business degree with a concentration or I guess minor in audio recording. I wanted huh. to make albums. I wanted to do live sound. That was... What I went to school for, so, you know, here I'm like, I'm not. What do I know about marketing? But I needed a job, so I went on the interview. Right. So I go on this interview, and it was at the time when um, Westbury Music Fair was just purchased as a mom and pop company, just purchased to a bigger company uh, called Delsner Slater. And I remember I went in on the interview, and and I sat with the person interviewing me, and they were like, you know, do you know anything about the company? And I said, oh, well, my ticket stubs say Delsner Slater, and I know who they are, and blah blah blah. Had a really great interview. The next day, I get a phone call because it really – it was in 98. So there really wasn't – people weren't emailing every day like we do now. And the phone call was like, you know, thank you so much. Great interview. I'll be in touch. And I didn't hear back for almost like four days maybe. And then I called and I got told, you know, you you were great. But I really wanted somebody with a marketing degree. So we hired somebody else. I was like, okay. (laughs) And then – about two hours later, my ho- my phone rang in my bedroom. You know, no cell phones. You know, my phone rang, and it goes to voicemail. And I'm in my bedroom, and I hear, "Hi, you know, this is so and so from Westbury Music Fair, and um, I know you just left an interview." And you didn't get hired, but I need an assistant, so the job is yours if you want it. And I'm, like, running to the phone, and I pick it up. Was it
2: the same person who you had spoken to earlier? No,
1: it? no. It was somebody completely different in the in the building. And I pick up the phone, and I said, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> and they said, you know, um, look, you don't even know to coming in an interview. He loved you so much. The job is yours. You can start Monday. I need an assistant. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. It was a secretary. He needed, you know, it was you i answered phones you know because at the time no one really had individual voicemails everything went through
2: switchboard the, or like
1: something. not even yeah like a switchboard But everything went to a main number that i picked up and it was like you know westbury music fair right. oh you want to talk to this person hold please you know so i mm-hmm. became you know i thought that was actually i laughed because i was like i just went to four years of college to be a secretary you know, i was i was so mad was so annoyed it's by foot it in the door yeah mm-hmm. but i realized once i got there that with any position, it's what you make of it. I mean, I was so excited. I was 22 years old. I had just graduated college, and I was like,
0: "Woohoo!" You know, like,
1: and I'm at Westbury Music Fair. You know, like I saw that was I was like, I saw new kids on the block at Westbury Music Fair. You know, I can't believe that I'm, you know, um, I can't believe I'm doing this. So it was it was really very very cool. And that position really again was the kind of position that really helped me because I answered the phone i knew everything that went on there you know Mm -hmm. like you're the gatekeeper they got to be nice to you to get to people they want Mm -hmm. and you find out a lot about things and you find out a lot about people you know i worked there at the time where you know guys like kevin james and ray romano were starting their careers and they would play there and they would call like every day hey what are my counts hey are my you know like (laughs) debbie gibson would play and like you know they'd come in and be like you know showing their families like i i remember i gave kevin um uh What's his name? Uh, James. James, a tour because he came in. He's like, I'm playing here. I I got to show. I got to show my friends. We're like, okay, <laughs> like letting <laughs> them in. But yeah, I worked there at the time where all that stuff was. That's what was happening there, and it was and it was so great. And and it was just it was probably the best job I had ever had. You know, like mm-hmm. it was really family. It was I ta- I learned so much from the person I worked with, and and it was just a great it was a great learning experience. And then when I was there, an opportunity came up where jones beach at the time when sponsorships started getting big they had an opportunity where levi's sponsored some sort of second stage in front of the bathrooms in front of gate j and it was a stage for upcoming artists local and or touring and the first year they had nobody they had this guy that was from like the carolina's booking he didn't how to book it so i was like oh all my friends are in bands like let me book it So they let me book it. Oh, wow. I get paid to book it, but they let me book it. And I remember asking my boss, I was like, so is it okay if I go do this at Jones Beach? Because they were now owned by the same company. And I was like, you know, I could work here till like three and then go over to Jones Beach. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. So I would book that stage. And the first year was a lot of my friends that were in... Uh, local area bands like bands like Fuzz Bubble and bands like Liquid Logic. Like oh man, these... they probably were so excited. Yeah, did you you know, it... bro,
2: we are in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they played
1: in front of a bathroom, you know, in front of Gate G, forty-five minutes before, you know, like when doors open, you know. But it was, but it was awesome. And the second year that I did it, that's when agents started to catch on that these stages were at all these amphitheaters. Mm-hmm. So what they started doing was they started building their acts into the deals with the headliners. So the second year. I worked with bands like Lifehouse and Jason Mraz and all of these artists that were upcoming that were, that were playing in front of like the bathrooms of Gate G at the Bolton Center. I mean, right. not the Bolton Center, <laughs> at Jones Beach. And so I did that, and uh, they didn't want to pay anybody to do it, but I was like, I'll do it. So that's what I did. And then I got a call to go over to the Coliseum, and that's how I ended up there for the two years that I was there.
0: What did you do at the Coliseum?
1: I worked with their general manager, and he... Um, Really was responsible for bringing in and brokering all the deals with the Live Nations and the AEGs or the Clear Channels or whatever it was at the time, and I booked a lot of the exhibition hall stuff. So people would come in wanting to rent the exhibition hall, and I would sort of get situated and started with that. Under yeah, the ice, right? and downstairs. I would book the hockey uh, ice time with Islanders, mm. and you know I would make sure that the calendar was free so that they can do their rehe their rehearsals. Thinking <laughs> <and, like, laughs> like in band terms, like you know their their skate time, yeah, and yeah. then you know their their time on the ice and their home games, and made sure you know because they were contracted for X amount of Saturdays per year, and sure. you know like there were blackout dates. So I used to do all of that stuff at the Coliseum. Awesome. Yeah, and then I ended up at the Bolton Center.
0: So how that happened?
1: Um. Left the Coliseum and then was kind of kicking around for a couple months. Not I was waiting tables at my friend's restaurant. He gave me a job. He was nice. Where were you living at the time? I so was living in home? Levittown. I mm-hmm. had an apartment in Levittown. And kind of was like, I don't know. I was considering a move to Reno because all my friends were moving to Reno. So I was Reno. like, I'll go to Reno and I could book tons of, you know, like I could book casinos. I was yeah. like, I had like all these like visions of all these great things I could do because I wasn't stuck. You know, I didn't have a husband. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have kids. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go to Reno. <laughs> so, I thought about that for a while, and then I had a friend who knew about the Bolton Center. They were very, very early on, and did some singer-songwriter stuff like uh, Richie Havens and John Hammond, and that's how my friend had knew, and I had actually, um, in another life of mine, acted in plays, and I acted in a play across the street from there, so I kind of knew what it was, and. I was using her office at the time to fax resumes, not email, again, not email, faxing. So she had my resume in her computer and out of nowhere, on a whim, didn't even tell me, sent my resume, no cover letter, nothing, to the Bolton Center. Wow. I get a phone call. Cool friend. And I'm like, what it? you know, they call me. I'm like, I didn't know what it was. And I was just like, oh, oh. they're like, we got your resume. I'm like, my resume? So I call my friend. I'm like, so that place in Bayshore you told me about, they just called me, you know. And that's kind of how that started. I went on. Oh, wow. They didn't have a position. That was my position. There was um, the theater is owned and operated by the YMCA. So they have um, the YMCA has has a board and a board of managers, and they they have what's called volunteers. And those are people in the community that that you know volunteer their time that want to do good. And so there was somebody on the board that was volunteering. And was booking the room and they thought, you know, maybe we should have somebody doing this for us so that our volunteers not doing it, you know, cause they have other things they need to do. And I went on, I think seven interviews over four months wow. and wow. they, cause they were creating the position for me. They didn't have a position and they created that position and I was the program director. They had, um, their center director or the person that was the director of the building was just somebody at the Y who oversaw. Right the why and the theater, but I was responsible for all the programming, and then at some point took over all of the staffing, and then now, 14 years later, the center director of the facility. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Were there any big coups at the beginning that you booked some big uh, names that first couple of years?
1: You know, I, I wish I could remember, yeah. um, but I do remember at the time, you know, I came from The world where people went to concerts every single night of the week. It didn't matter if it was a Thursday, if it was a Sunday. When I started working there, it was really like a Friday, Saturday. And I remember booking a Thursday night. And everybody was panicky about it. They're like, people don't, don't what do you mean? And I was like, but I just saw an act tune weekends ago on a Thursday. And And And
0: guess what? People were there.
1: And I booked a show and it sold out on a Thursday and I thought, okay, this is going to be okay. <laughs> like We're going to make this work, you know? Awesome. So yeah. it, um, it was pretty awesome. And
0: yeah. it's been such a treasure for downtown Bayshore. Oh my God. I,
2: that I will say
1: I, I never feel like I'm going to work. I, I have the best job, you know, I have yeah. the best staff, I have the best job. And I've worked with people who have really in some way or another have shaped the genre of music or have been instrumental in certain movements you know to work with some some of these artists that you know i mean again working with Richie Havens the first person to ever step foot on a Woodstock stage to hear the stories that he would tell me when we'd be upstairs at the end of the night after yeah. the meet and greets were amazing you know it was that stuff you you can't can't make it up and unless you really truly love music it's it's you realize how fortunate you are
2: right
1: you know when i turn on the radio and i hear an artist that I've worked with and I
0: got to know the, and you get to
1: know them, you know, I mean, look, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. We're all the same, but it, sometimes I actually get a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: like, Oh, wow. Yeah. And my theater may be tiny, but we're mighty. And I feel like we pack a lot of punch and every artist that comes through the doors in some way has made their mark somehow within, you know, the, the music, scene in some way
0: you had tiffany last year right
1: i think it was last year or two Two years years ago ago? yeah not gonna lie i got a little
0: i got a little excited about that you know i
1: mean again a kid growing up loving hair metal i still you know i loved secretly the tiffany's and the debbie gibson's and all that stuff i wasn't even secret about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i i got to work with a lot of people who i had a real you know who i really respect and love as musicians and as, as just loving their music. You know, I mean, when I first booked Edwin McCain, I was so excited because I was such a fan and I'm still such a fan, you know, and same thing, you know, with, with Richard Marks, you know, I was always such a huge fan of Richard Marks and uh, one of my best girlfriends from college who had passed away. That was our thing. When I worked at Westbury, we would always see Richard Marks. So when I first got the opportunity to work with him, it was just, it was a lot for me, you know, and Mm it's still a lot for me. Um, all you know, all of it. You know, I get, I get, I try not to get excited in front of them, but I'm secretly like, ah. I'm dying <laughs> Mike, if you,
2: if you had to get starstruck, you know, if there was somebody who's going to get you <sighs> starstruck, I should say, hey, You got anybody uh,
0: offhand yeah. you could think of? Probably like screen legends like Pacino and De Niro or something like that. Uh, but you know, I never, I never met famous people like in my life. I always thought like, if I did, I'd be really cool. You know, I I would think that
2: they'd like me. You know, <laughs> but uh, I had um so uh, Chris Wybin in the UFC. He's a he was a UFC champ for a while, and he came and floated at Deer Park, and I knew he was coming in. I saw so him on a schedule. It's cool when the client and he had he actually got there early. He was in the tank when I got there already. So when he was in there, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna be cool when he comes out. And he came out and like, hey, what's up, dude? How are you? What's going on? I was all like, you know, yeah, overly yeah. overly fanboy. Not even like a huge UFC fan, you know, <laughs> um something when you see when you when you meet people and and, and
0: you're not yeah. seeing them at a show where you're you know getting their autograph with a friend you're seeing them using your facilities which I'm sure blew your mind yeah it was yeah. really
2: cool and it's just like you think you can ask him questions like so so
0: how are you like you don't even know what to say <laughs> like, hey, I don't even remember what I said Tom is a co-owner <laughs> of the Float Place flotation therapy I have yet locations to do that but I have
1: friends who swear
0: by it so nice in uh, in Deer Park and Patrick Man. Any other uh, famous clientele you can name drop? Uh, no a good man. Spot hub, you want to it? Nah, there's I no client, it, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> privilege yeah. there.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. There's uh, that was it, man. Just um, him. As far as uh...
0: Gronkowski, the uh, very famous uh, tight end for the New England Patriots, he was over at Kilwins in Babylon. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. John, who we interviewed, had him on camera. Oh, shopping. sweet. Oh, you Little know who else person.
1: I have not run into living on Long Island? Ralph Macchio. I'm the only other person I, that... I, I'm <laughs> like the only one. Everyone else yes. I know is like, I just saw Ralph Macchio. Oh, there's Ralph Macchio in the Smith Haven Mall. Like, just Adam, missed him. Like,
0: I missed him. My friend almost got in a car accident with him. My buddy Brian. Yeah, th- yeah and Ralph wasn't happy about the exchange. <laughs> but I mean, I'm like...
1: I, I, if you live on Long Island and you're ultra famous, I don't meet you. So. <laughs> yeah, ultra famous. Um
0: yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he's ran a lot, and and I know he goes to the Stony Brook Film Festival a lot of years, and he shows up there. And well, I'll
1: never run into him. He so. used to go.
0: He used to go to my my buddy used to work in Blockbuster up in the Miller Place area, and Macho would go in, and D. Snyder would go in, and it's a fun. Oh, Mick sp- Foley
1: was the other one I never ran into either. My mother used to work at Costco in Lake Grove, and she would always see D. Snyder. She would always see Mick Foley, and That's I'm like, fun, I right? don't see any of them.
0: I haven't. I never see anybody. But actually, D. <laughs> D. Snyder's son played oh jesse
1: i used to um i i've seen his band a couple his band played a couple of times at a place that i had booked a friend i had a a friend owned a bar and his band played a lot are they good they were good at least from what i remember i mean it was so many years ago Right, right so many years ago
0: yeah he played on my buddy's softball team but he didn't want um he didn't want the other guys on the team to know that he was Dee Snyder's son. He's like, eh, you know, I don't know if it's a father's son. They have like a TV
1: thing. show. How would you not know? This is like in the
0: <sighs> 90s. and uh, Long flowing hair. So I guess <laughs> he, he missed a couple balls out in the outfield or something. And and my friends were busting. Uh, I'm sorry, my, my buddy Grant, his friends were breaking his chops. Like, who's this kid? You know, like you just invited to our team, you know? And I guess I didn't invite him back after that. And then a uh, couple of weeks later, uh, <laughs> Grant was talking to the guys. He goes, "Yeah," and then you know we did have Dee Snyder's son out in the outfield that one game. I remember that, and everyone's like, "Wait, what?" They're like, "Yeah, that was Dee Snyder's son from Twisted Sister." Like, dude, you know we the guy fired Dee Snyder son for <laughs> Like, why didn't you tell us? He's like, "No, nah, I was under strict orders not to not to mention it." He's trying to make his own. Uh, That's
2: it, man. Trying try to form a team. <laughs> can't agree with a curve.
0: That's it. Yeah, he can't get political appointees no. out out in right field. No way. But um. Yeah, I know they played at the uh, Emporium before they became Stereo Garden. Next time Twisted Sisters perform, I definitely want to see
2: them. Is that open, Stereo Garden? Yeah, it's open. Yeah? Oh, yeah, d- yeah. Are it's they having, open, what do they do, like uh, nightly stuff or just on the weekends? I think or? they
0: do mostly weekends, maybe some nights. I think they get a lot of country acts. Um, okay. And then, you know, the, you know, whatever RPMs and some of the local bands, I think they'll play there too. All right, Over cool. at Stereo Garden, Patchogue. What is it, 39 RPMs? Forty five. Forty-five. Forty-five, RPMs. Yeah. Yes. Um, They played outside the Bolton Center, actually, two they years ago. They did last right? year at, at, at the, Alive by the Bay. Alive by the Bay. And they'll be
1: back this year, I think, in front of the theater for the last... I think the last night of Alive okay. by the Bay.
0: You guys have a great stage at Alive by the Bay. Yeah. Just seeing the marquee behind it, it just it's, it feels really Yes, awesome. I
1: love that the committee decided to do that. <laughs> 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 I wish I could say that was my idea. Uh-huh. No, actually, you know, we there's a committee for Alive by the Bay... And it's all the restaurants, and then me—I'm sort of the odd man out. But yeah. um, it's—they're so great. And when they were talking about stages, I was like, "You go put some in front of the theater if you decide that's what you want to do." And that's that work, what they that decided really to great.
0: do. Great restaurants in Bayshore, right? Yes, so they many really, great restaurants. They really, and they're
1: all owned by so many great people. Yes, I really do. I love that restaurant committee. And I really, you know, again, being in that town 14 years, you you see what goes on, and you see what it was, and you see what it's becoming, and mm-hmm. you and and it's a. It's a young group of people. It, they have great ideas and it's just I, I love it. You know, I'm on the chamber board there and, you know, all the people that come out, you know, to those meetings, it's really a, a it's a very tight knit group and yeah. a tight knit town.
0: What I like about Bayshore is uh and 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 they're aware of this and they're proud about it, is that so much of that of good things that happen in Bayshore happens without the help of county, state grants and the town mm-hmm. and Almost, despite despite these other government entities, a place like Beisho was really able to to um well, you, know, you know to have
1: a YMCA there yeah. for the community. At a, the YMCA, they have a theater, you know, it's it's a hospital. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, Northwell, they, they just everybody just does does such amazing things. You know, Good Sam's not that far from us. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just a great that whole stretch is is awesome. Yeah, and it's yep. gorgeous too. Yep,
0: and the restaurants so good.
1: I know, I can't, don't make me choose a favorite because I love them all. <laughs> don't ask me what my
0: favorite is. I mean, Salt and Barrel is so pretty, and then Coastal is amazing. Uh, I was talking to um, uh, Tim Flynn, the owner of Flynn's Fire Island, and he was talking about Coastal and how pretty and gorgeous it is.
1: They're all beautiful. Yeah, again, like, you forget about the ones that are like not on, on yeah, the right. street. Yeah, right, well then you, you know? got Tula and Tallulah's, and,
0: and, and the New Whalers is mm-hmm. very pretty. Lake House, one of the top restaurants on the island. Mm-hmm. Nikki's on the bay probably the best view you, of Great South Bay you could ever see I know um, you have a
1: fun job because you get to go and eat and review yeah, all yeah, of them
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I take pictures I put Instagram stories everyone's like I want your life <laughs> um, but uh yeah so uh, Tim Flynn had said Coastal uh, which is owned by Anthony Andrew Tartaglia and they have Chef Zach Rude he's like it just looks so cool in there it looks like a place that like pirates would have hung out it's like, like 400 years well. ago yeah it's just so awesome but the, the downtown's awesome and uh a lot more apartments going up soon. Once you get that critical mass of apartments and people live in there, you get that daytime traffic. Toast is supposed to open up any day now. Um, Toast will, is going to bring a lot of daytime traffic. And, I hope so. and activity mm-hmm. to, to yeah. South
2: America. A lot Street. of overflow.
0: Tons of overflow. I mean, we probably talk about it every... Toast has such an overflow that David from David him said like his sales were up 16% over the year before Toast opened. Wow. These people are just like killing time as they wait two hours for their waffles with go buy a pair of shoes and whatever yeah they, they go shoe shopping well they'll go to kilwin's that's fantastic you know? yeah to- toast does a lot you know and then just packed every day you go in there on a tuesday or monday i'm sure i sound like a broken record for people who have written listen to these other yeah but podcasts. once they go
2: there they're like oh i understand why he talks about it so much yeah it's goddamn yeah. delicious <laughs> <laughs> um and
0: yeah all well, that sugar. I, I don't really eat sugar for breakfast i'm more of like a Bacon and eggs type of guy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think that's really what crushes it for them. All those like drippy waffles and
2: yeah, know. they're pretty uh, pretty photogenic meals that they serve yeah, up there. People just photogenic. want to take pictures of them. Because... Free
0: marketing. If your stuff
2: could look at on Instagram, yeah. anyone with a phone is your marketer. There's this place in Connecticut, right by my girlfriend's old condo, that it's just like an ice cream place. Like this, the cheapest ice cream thing is like eighteen dollars, but it's like a plate and it's got this and mountains and it looks absurd when you put it on there. But they put it on there like three kids will go in, three like teenagers will go in. Each order one, take pictures of each, tag each other, put it everywhere, and it's like that place just got so much free marketing and just sold you an ice cream sundae for eighteen dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and three and your other two friends. <laughs> and you, that's the market you want to reach because all those you know young people that are taking
0: those photos of those photos are being looked at by other people, sixteen to nineteen years old, and that's what they're buying.
2: Yeah, and it takes. 10 to 15 minutes To even get the ice cream So where you're sitting there waiting You're looking at everybody else Taking pictures of their stuff It's just It's awesome it's it's such like a the, brilliant thing It's
0: like the milkshake phenomenon the super shakes That everyone's making now mm-hmm. Like Flo's and Patchog And this place in West Babylon um, Bullseye Barbecue And I think it's called No it's not called Bullseye I don't want to There's a new barbecue place In Iceland that makes amazing shakes Nice And it's just like With candy And lollipops dripping out of it And streamers And just like Is so that about. a piece
2: of art Is that a milkshake Yeah you know, When do, do I start here, here?
0: My daughter's four. I don't think she would. I think her head would just explode. She asks for ice cream every forty minutes on the hour. <laughs> like w- I wake up in the morning, she asks for ice cream. Mind you, I've never given her ice cream in the morning, no. but she'll still ask for ice cream every day. She'll try. Of she will. She she'll try every day, and even today, actually, we're at News Channel 12. By the way, I'm going to be on News Channel 12. This is this Stefano, East Patchogue. This will be all new, old news when the podcast comes out. But East Patchogue won like the hometown. Showdown where people vote for like the best hometown like, okay. versus others on Long Island, right? And East Patchogue won. Wow! And uh, Elisa's from Point Lookout, so she didn't know much about East Patchogue. so she reached out. And then we went to uh, went to a couple nice places, went to Swan River Preserve, went to um, Chachama Grill, Who? went to Elisa
2: East uh, yeah, from yeah. Uh, Channel 12.
0: Okay, went to um, uh, Harbor Sunset Harbor Marina, which is an awesome place in East Patchogue. Uh, in the South Country Shores neighborhood on the water, we go and take cool little tiki and bar. Yeah, so we went there and they interviewed us on camera. My daughter was got really shy; she didn't want to talk, but she was willing to. She was willing to skip down the docks <laughs> at the marina. So there's some B-roll of my daughter skipping down the docks, and that sh- that should be airing on Wednesday. Oh boy, that's, that's cute. It, yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a fun day at work doing the TV stuff. I and I feel like here. every day for you is a fun day at work.
1: <laughs> it is. I mean, here I, we are at a podcast. I, I kind of have like a. <laughs>
0: I live like an alternative lifestyle. <laughs> like, you live like an adult college student. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone's ripping on me the other day. I'm like, yeah, I got work tomorrow. And they're like, what? I'm like, well, yeah, I got work. I like, have to go, is go eat a hamburger at a new you... place opening up. Is that what you I got to go float later <laughs> and then maybe go to a concert.
2: <laughs> no, like, Is that what you call when you do work? <laughs> the podcast is about to start. Hey, Tom, grab me a beer. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, man. No, it's, it's great, though. And we get to meet so many interesting people.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, Absolutely. That's definitely one of the things uh that's great about the podcast and about floating too, the people that come in and float, like the conversations I have with them after the floats pretty What pretty made incredible. you guys decide
1: to bring a pot, make a you know, create a podcast?
2: Uh, Mike came in to the float place to float and to kind of do a little piece on us. And him and I just hit it off really well. And I'm like, dude, you know, start doing a podcast and just talk to people and just see where it goes. And
0: yeah, now we're here. Yeah, and I was I was I typically am on board with anything. Yeah. <laughs> D-F-A. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so when you said that, I'm like, yeah, let's make it happen. Especially because you had the experience. So Tom has the experience with the audio and blah, blah, blah. So he kind of does all the work and I just have to sit here for 45 minutes. Sh- Some of it. Nick Nick uh, Nick Esposito helps us too. with yeah, sound for Nick man. from Greater Patrick. Oh yeah, Bring Nick's great. Up. We've met Nick. He's, yeah. ri-
1: he's he's written things for us and we see him at the chamber meetings. Isn't
0: he great? <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. He just stopped in here to pick up his check. He crept in. We should have had him sit down with us. Yeah. Set up before. We got to get him on. Let's yeah, get him yeah. On next week, actually. Okay, very or good. Or Yeah, we'll t- have him tell his life story. He's 22. <laughs> 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 I'm trying awesome. to find my. Um... Sorry, guys, I'm a little distracted. That's I'm all fine.
2: right. We gotta, we gotta about wrap it up anyway. Yeah, what we do? Running. Look at that.
0: What oh, there it that is. Makes
1: sense. Forty- I can really talk.
2: <laughs> Doesn't go fast.
1: <laughs> it actually went really fast. Yeah, radio. I'm enjoying in this. I'm having fun. I awesome. feel like I'm just hanging out with friends, chatting. Yep. Uh,
2: and that's that's honestly that's when him and I had a great conversation. It was like that's let's just record this and just put it out there for yeah. people.
0: And what's cool is that people you could listen to years from now and see how things change.
1: I don't think I want to hear what I say. (laughs) I probably will not listen. I I will tell everyone else to listen, but I probably will not listen. Yeah, I never
2: (laughs) listen to them either. I just put them up and like check every once in a while to make sure it works. And then,
1: yeah, I'll basically be like, hey, if anyone's running around on the treadmill, or hey, anyone's, you know, doing a training run this morning, or you're sitting around, listen to my podcast that I'm on.
0: Yeah, exactly. And go to the Bolton Center.
1: And go to the Bolton Center. Buy dot Boltoncenter.org.
2: <laughs> yeah, so where can they Bolton Center? Boltoncenter.org? Yes,
1: B-O-U-L-T-O-N. Not Bolton, B-O-L, like Michael Bolton.
0: <laughs> it's not Michael Bolton Center. It's not center. Michael Bolton Center. Which is what I thought when I was in high school. I thought it was Michael
2: Bolton Center. I'm like, no. he just play every day? <laughs> I almost made a Michael Bolton joke <laughs> when I got the text about who was coming in. Yeah, I did not to. Yeah. I got a little bit busy, but I would have. Yeah, already.
1: there's a U there, so it's B-O-U-L-T-O-N, yeah. center
0: Oh, and huh. it's got a great history. It's too late to get into it now, but the Bolton Center has a great history too. Um, you mean what it was? Well what it we're became. We're gonna talk
1: about that? What it became. <laughs> I was gonna say we're That's gonna talk about what it was and then <laughs> talk about what it became. At a low
0: point it was like a adult movie. It was house. a dirty
1: movie theater at some point. Yeah. Which is no secret. We've we've made mention of it. Yeah, you
0: guys own it. Own yeah, that. we own we
1: it, you know. We, we don't own. really yeah. talk that much about it, but we own it, you know, we it is what it is.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> like the place from taxi driver. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's gorgeous
1: and then it was a then it was a place called the holly rock where um hair metal bands played like warrant so my husband wow. saw warrant there yeah. and I saw i don't remember what i saw there but i i saw a, a couple of things there when it was the holly rock
0: yeah that was what two and a half years
1: i don't know how long it was the it holly wasn't rock that to be long, honest right? yeah. i don't know
0: But well, you guys did a great job bringing it back and yeah keeping it going and thanks i hope we can a, keep doing it such an awesome thing for them yeah you know, we're the just downtown. gonna keep doing what well, we're well. doing
1: and Figure out fun new ways to do things, and keep doing the things that make sense that we love doing.
0: And you guys have—I mean, for one, the—you uh, know—I know we're short on time, but um, the uh, Polar Express uh, thing that you do—that's like crazy. That's so right? fun! It yeah, like sells the, out two years ahead of time.
1: The, it always does very well, and we always have disappointed kids, which is not fun. But then in the end, it always all works out, and everybody's happy. But we do this great screening of Polar Express, and we. Give the tickets away for free, so it's it's all completely free. We do giveaways for the kids at the end, but what people don't know, and I'm gonna give the big fancy secret away here, is um, when our screen, our movie screen, comes down in the middle of the stage. So we have this 20 foot screen, and there's room behind it, so we set up a little Santa living room with you know a little like a fireplace and chair and and a Christmas tree and presents. And at the end of the movie, when all the kids are ringing the bell. Um, you know, because they want to believe in Santa, which I have yet to see the movie in its entirety, but I know that at the end they ring bells, and then um, the kids, if they've never been to the Polar Express before at the theater, the screen comes up, and Santa's behind it, and they're like, oh, my God. They lose their mind, and they're like, oh, my God, and they're screaming, and they're ringing the bells, and then they line up, and then they get to meet Santa. And, And the last two years we've had Mrs. Claus as well. Oh, nice. which is pretty awesome. So we get Sam Santa and Mrs. Claus. is
0: the ultimate celebrity if you're a six yeah. or seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the new thing oh, we're doing now- He's at Bon
2: now, Jovi. I would we get Star talk.
1: We're doing also, we're doing these really fun things and maybe you should bring your daughter. We're doing the princess movies, sing-alongs. So they're not sing-alongs in the true sense where the words are on the screen, but we show the movie and then we have the princesses live singing the songs on stage with the kids in the audience. Cool. And wow. then at the end- They get to meet the princess or the prince. or So we just did The Little Mermaid. So Ariel was there with her prince. And um, the chef and Ursula, uh, all in costume. And and each time their song came on, they would come out, and we'd spotlight them, and they'd sing. And then they'd go back and watch the movie. And then when the song came out, yeah, and then at the end you got to meet. You got to take photos with them. That is awesome. If yeah. you ever
0: need a princess, we we know Becca Hudson that used mm-hmm. to perform at Hollywood. Yeah, studios. we have a
1: great we have a great um, uh, great. <laughs> I think they're called Party Princess Prep, but they're amazing and each one of them sing, which is amazing and awesome. great and 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 it's just it's so cute. They're so fun. All the little wow. kids come dressed up as like prince or princesses. It's, it's adorable. Something for
0: everybody yep. over there yeah well thank you so much thank you thanks for coming on i I couldn't believe you guys
1: asked me i was like what do you want to talk to me for (laughs) you were the
2: first on our list (laughs) you're just always so busy oh yes so busy
1: no i'm excited to have done this thank you so much i really loved it
2: absolutely (laughs) come back anytime okay sure just tell me (laughs) we will do it by the pool next time that sounds good (laughs) bye take care guys
0: this is the strongest
1: i've
2: ever felt before in my current state and in these days of war we must grow together all the end is near. thicking up your skin and loosening up your fears I've been waiting waiting through my limitations choosing to move.